Come on. It is never too late to step into the story God has for your life, for your marriage, and for your family. And the Todd family is an incredible picture of that. I want to speak to the elephant in the room right now. I know that there are hundreds of you wondering, what in the world is he doing wearing a headset for six years together as a church? I have never got in front of you any other way other than holding a microphone. And honestly, I'm uncomfortable right now. The reason why I do that, by the way, multiple different reasons, but the main one is because my hands get crazy as a communicator. And so if I hold a microphone, it occupies one. And so this one can go crazy, but I don't seem that crazy. And so now I've got two and you're going to see all kind of formations and things that I do with my hands. I'm going to try to keep them as calm as possible. You'll see why I have a headset on in just one second. I'm excited to bring the word of God to you today. And church, I've never been more excited about what God is doing through ACC. I feel like this week I've had a perspective shift on all that has happened in 2020. And I just believe so much more for the rest of this year together as a church. And I believe so much more is going to happen in this moment than even what we're prepared for right now. So before we open the word of God and before we step into this moment together, I'm going to pray and I'm just going to beg God that I would say from heaven exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to show you in your unique individual season. And I would ask that you not just watch me pray, or maybe even some of you, you wouldn't say this out loud, but fast forward through the prayer because you're like, I need to get to the sermon. I want to ask that while I pray, you pray. Maybe you pray that your heart would be in that position that we talked about last week, that posture, speak, Lord, I'm listening. What you don't need to hear today is a message from Miles Fidel. What you need to hear today is a message from heaven. And I believe God can deliver that to a heart that's available. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask you in Jesus' name right now that your Holy Spirit would cover my words and send them out from heaven. God, we're gathered with a small group of people in this room right now, but we believe what happens in this room is going to go out in a powerful way. And so we, first and foremost, submit our hearts and our minds to what you want to say to us in this moment. And we ask you that somehow supernaturally as this word goes out, that you would use it in marriages, that you would use it for teenagers, that you would use it for college students, that you would use it for graduate students, for every season of life, an engaged couple, God, somebody who's single and and looking to you for what you want to do in this next season. God, every season represented, every background, we're yours. Say what you want to say through your word. And show us something we've never seen before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to start a new series today. And I want to give you the title from the very beginning. The title of our new series that we're going to be looking at for the next couple of weeks is called New Plan Pivot. New Plan Pivot. Pivot, And I believe those three words are a summary of what God has sent our way again and again and again all of 2020. And I would love it if during this series you just found the ability to shout the word pivot at any point. Now, some of you know this, but some of you don't. That is actually a line or a word from the television show Friends. And because I don't want this to be like an inside joke that just the people who watch Friends know about and other people are like, oh, I've never really heard that or seen that. We got to get all on the same page at the beginning of this series. So watch this scene from the television show Friends. Here we go. Pivot.
Okay, I, I don't think it's gonna pivot anymore. You think? Pivot. Somebody say it to somebody next to him. Say, pivot. Pivot. You gotta be obnoxious with it. Pivot. And by the way, showing a video clip from Friends does not mean that ACC in any way endorses everything that the television show Friends is all about, nor do we say the word shut up loud, and we don't want to offend you by showing that on our screen. But it's 2020. Who are we kidding? Someone's going to be offended. But I say that just to hope and pray that you are not one of those people. I love that scene. I love Ross Geller in general, but he's just shouting, pivot, pivot, pivot. And I feel like that is a voice that has been in my head all year long. I believe that God has an opportunity for us, church, to adjust to a new plan for our lives. And it's a plan that's going to require a pivot. Now, I say the word pivot, what do I mean? To pivot means to have a central turning point and then a change in direction. And so over and over and over again throughout the course of this series, I'm going to be using the word pivot or talking about pivotal moments in our lives. But more than anything, as a former basketball player, and I love to remind our church that I was an above average high school point guard once upon a time. And as a former basketball player, I have a deep knowledge of what it means to pivot in the game of basketball. But I'm not going to act like everybody in the room knows what I am talking about. So the reason why I am wearing a headset today is so that I would have the freedom to do an illustration from the game of basketball. Garrett Jones, would you throw me that ball? We are going to have a basketball lesson on stage at Auburn Community Church today. So in the game of basketball, just want to take us, uh, take us back to square one. To move while you're holding the ball, you have to do this thing called dribbling. Fortunately for me as a point guard, I got to do a lot of dribbling. It was actually my job to dribble the ball up the court. You like how I'm dribbling and talking and you're like, is he going to mess up? I'm nervous about it too, so I want to pick up my dribble even though I feel really comfortable. And so, and, and so when you move, you have to dribble. That's the only way you can move when you have the ball, except if you pivot. And in basketball, what you can do is hold the ball, and once you're holding the ball, you have the freedom to move one, not two, but one of your feet to put yourself in a different position and go in a different direction. So essentially how it works is you plant one foot, it could be either foot, and the other foot has the freedom to literally move in any direction at any time. The only problem with that is if you move the foot that's supposed to be planted, it's called your pivot foot. If you move your pivot foot, that's a travel, and the other team gets the ball. So essentially, you can change positions, you can create room to make a pass, you can set yourself up to either jump and score or do all the many things that the greatest basketball players in the world do, the GOAT being LeBron James himself. I love the Michael Jordan documentary, and, and I believe he is an incredible basketball player. I'm just, I've been a LeBron guy for a long time, and I know, once again, I've offended you twice in the same sermon, and so we're off to a great start today. But I wanted to show you that because I believe the picture of what it means to pivot in basketball, remember what I said, one foot is the foundation and another foot changes direction is the exact posture God has called us to have as a church. Here you go, Garrett. Garrett's really athletic, by the way, and he caught that pass and that went really well and we were both super nervous about that. So I'm glad that moment is behind us. Why did I just show you that? Because when you pivot, you have one foundation and you have one foot that has the freedom to change direction. And I believe the problem in 2020 for so many of us is that we have made certain things in our lives foundational that God has called us to make adjustable. Let me say that again. 
We have made certain things in our lives foundational that God is actually trying to make adjustable and flexible. And I believe why so many of us are disoriented in our lives right now is God is changing things. He's changing relationships. He's changing financial pictures. He's changing the very city that some of you thought you were going to live in for the next decade. He's changed your picture of everything because of all these circumstances you can't control. Now everything has changed in your life and it's disorienting us because what so many of us have done is we've made a foundation where God has called us to always be adjustable and willing to change direction. And all throughout 2020, there've been these moments where I'm like, no, 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 God. Oh, I thought things were going this way. I thought church was supposed to look this way. I thought my life was supposed to look this way. And he's going, no, 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 you've got to pivot. You've got to have the ability to keep one foot planted in what you know is the most important immovable things in your life, but everything else have to re- has to remain pliable, has to remain changeable. And our ability to adjust when God does that will determine our ability to not only be used by God, but to enjoy the journey as well. Some of you, if you got really honest right now, you're not really enjoying following Jesus in 2020. This whole, let's change things every couple of weeks. Let's watch the news and just see what else is going wrong in our world. Let's look over into the election scene and look at how things are going politically. Let's look over at all these things across the map and our hopelessness is rising. And so we sing on a Sunday morning about the living hope of Jesus. And you're like, that's a great song, but that's actually not coming true in my life this year. And it's because we have mistaken things that God could change at any given moment for things that he He's called us to plant in the foundation of our lives. And I believe instead of just surviving 2020, God has called us to thrive during this season. If I could go back to March when coronavirus was just hitting its outbreak moment. You know what I'm talking about. You know the week I'm talking about in March. It was spring break here in Auburn. And it felt like everything changed that one week. And it was like, okay, everything is suddenly canceled. All the sports are canceled. All the schools are sending people home. And and everything's in disarray. All the churches are canceling. My mindset at that moment was, okay, make an adjustment plan, pivot, change, and, and, and let's just buy time until we're able to get back. I can't believe at the time I literally thought, oh, we'll, we'll be back at church Easter, maybe at the latest. Like that would be crazy if we had to wait until Easter to come back to church. And now here we are in mid-July and going, oh, wow, this is, this is a lot different than I thought. If I could go back and tell myself anything, I would say, listen, when God calls you to pivot, make the pivot. Don't just make an adjustment to survive in the meantime and wait for things to get back to normal. Accept the fact that things are never going back to normal. And the faster you make an adjustment, the faster you'll be able to thrive. Church, look at me. We're never going back to normal. And I'm not saying that things aren't going to open up and that sports aren't going to come back eventually and churches regathering again and all the things that we want to see happen. That's going to happen one day. But I believe what's happened in this season has changed things forever. And our ability to make the pivot and adjust to the rhythm that Jesus is leading us through will determine how much we are used by God and how much we enjoy that journey. I want to show you this in the word of God. If you have your Bible, hold it up. Hold it up all over this place. Hold it up. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 16. It's in the middle of your Bible. Proverbs chapter 16. We're going to look at two verses And the first one, Proverbs 16.3, is actually the first verse I ever memorized from the Bible. And Proverbs is all over the place with different topics and sayings of wisdom, most written by the wisest man to live in the Old Testament, King Solomon. 
But Proverbs 16 in particular talks a lot about plans. And it talks a lot about our willingness to make adjustments to God's priority for our lives in the midst of making our own plans personally. Somebody say pivot, pivot. There's going to be moments all throughout this series where I say it. And so you might as well say it as loud as you can. Pivot. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 and verse 9. We're going to read them back to back. Here's what the word of God says. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. This is two different ways of saying the exact same thing about plans. What we are seeing in these verses is that human beings have this tendency to chart a course in front of them. But their ability to succeed in the plans that they make in front of them depends on their willingness to surrender to the priority of a God who has an overarching plan for the world that includes our lives. So look at the first one in verse 3. Look at this. This is so cool. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. In other words, if your top priority in your life is to align your life with the glory and fame of Jesus, that you recognize, my life's not about me. It's not about my comfort. It's not about me making it by with as many things going pleasant for me as possible. My life's actually about a kingdom that is advancing on planet Earth, and I get to play a part in the greatest story forever told. I've committed my life to the Lord. You want to know what God will do? Establish your plans. It doesn't mean God will follow the blueprint you have for your life to a T. Not by any means. But it does mean that you have aligned God's plan for your life with your ultimate priority in life. And so the road that you walk will be established by the God of the universe. And I want to challenge some of you right now. The pivot God is bringing into your life in 2020 is a pivot from making your life about you to a pivot to making your life about Jesus. And it's the greatest pivot you could ever make. Commit to the Lord, whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Now look at the second verse. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. There's nothing wrong with making plans. I wouldn't call myself a planner, but I would say I thrive with structure. I'd like to stay pretty spontaneous, but I actually find myself the most comfortable and the most at peace when I feel like there's a sense of structure right in front of me in my life. It's not bad to have a plan. It's not bad to have goals. In fact, if you don't have a plan or goals, you'll probably end up in a place that you didn't set out to get to because you never actually took time to decide this is where I'm setting out to get to. You should make plans. But the Bible's saying, listen, even though human beings take time to chart out a course for their life, it's the Lord who establishes the steps of their journey. In other words, without first and foremost making your life about following Jesus you are always going to be writing and charting your own story for your life that may or may not end up the way you wanted it to end up, but I can promise you won't be worthwhile or satisfying or fulfilling in the end. And here's the great thing about living for Jesus. If you make your ultimate priority bowing your will to the story of God, your plans will happen because you've aligned your plan with his plan. Let me show you a commentary from these verses from Matthew Henry. I love his commentaries, by the way. They're amazing. He said this. He said, if men make God's glory their end and his will their rule, he will direct their steps by his spirit and grace. Love that. If men make God's glory their end and his will their rule, he will direct their steps by his spirit and grace. 
Church, I wanna challenge us today to think about which foot's our pivot foot and which foot has a change in direction. And what this quote is saying, what these verses are pointing to is that you have to decide once and for all that the chief end of your life is to lift up the name of Jesus and enjoy being a child of God in the family of God. And if, that, if that's the chief end of your life, you are always going to find God's plan and God's will for your life coming to be. One of the things about having so many college students that gets frustrating for me is there's always this search for God's will. There's always this constant tension when you're talking about the future because we have so many young people who are like, if God would just show me his will, if God would just reveal his will, here's the good news about God. He has revealed his will in revealing his ways through the scriptures. And the more you submit to the ways of God, the more you'll be walking in the will of God. If you make the glory of God your everything, you can never end up in the wrong city or the wrong relationship or down the wrong path. If you did, he would gather you back because you're following the good shepherd. He's got this thing rigged. And so the plan for our life has to be to pivot. But we can't be in a position to pivot if we haven't identified what is our structure and what is unchanging and what are some things that need to move over to be adjustable and flexible. We all flourish with structure. I do as a leader, our staff team does. And it's funny because less than a month ago, our staff team got away to try to plan out our, uh, our ministry plans through the end of the year. We try to do this every once in a while where we just get as ahead as possible because we know if we have a structure in front of us, if we've thought through all the events that are coming up, all the initiatives that we're starting and we get them on paper and we get them calendared out, we're gonna be able to thrive. But those plans were made assuming that we'd be able to gather again in person on Sunday, July 26th. And suddenly, some of the most productive days that we've ever had all went up in smoke going, well, got to make a pivot. And so the frustration that came in that moment for me as a leader is I'm like, I need structure. I need to know, okay, this is how we're moving forward. And all of these pivots and all these changes in direction are keeping me from having a structure. Here's what God told me, and I believe he's communicating to you through his word today. God told me, your structure's off. You're looking for structure in the plan that you put on paper. I want you to look for structure in the plan I've already put on paper in front of you. This is your foundation. This is what's immovable. This is what matters most. What does that mean? That means your worship of Jesus, your life aligning with the mission of Jesus is the only part of your life that's unchanging. Everything else is a blank check before God going, God, whatever you want to do, I'm yours. And 2020 has revealed a lot of things in our lives that have become idols, that have gained control over us simply because we never thought God would touch that. I never thought you'd come for that relationship. I never thought you'd come for my obedience in that area. I never, I never thought it was going to go this far. And God's going, listen, I'm trying to write a better story than you could ever imagine. The only thing that is constant is that Jesus died to save you from sin, to bring you into a right relationship with your heavenly father. You matter to God, and that message is supposed to go out through your life to the world. That's the foundation. Everything else in our lives, our relationships, our money, geographic location, whatever, it's adjustable, it's flexible. And while that might sound annoying, here's what's great about it. Every single time God has ever called us to pivot, it's not because he's trying to annoy us or see how obedient we are. It's because he's trying to do something better in and through our lives. That's good news. 
There'll be moments in your life where God clearly calls you out of something that's bad for you, whether it be a relationship or a habit or a way of thinking and go, listen, hey, we're not living like that. We're not living in that lie. We're not gonna stay in that place that's got you so torn down and so dysfunctional and so off. No, no, we're gonna come back this way. But more often than not in my life personally, and as I read the scriptures, I notice not only does God remove bad things to give us good things, he also removes good things to give us better things. Sometimes in our lives, the pivot God wants to bring is the surrendering of a good thing for a better thing. And I want to show you this in the life of the Apostle Paul. If you're in Proverbs chapter 16, go over to Acts chapter 16. We're staying with the 16s today. Acts chapter 16. I want to show you this story about Paul who we're going to be looking at for the next couple of weeks. These amazing stories from the life of the man who was used by God for the glory and fame of Jesus like nobody else. But Paul has moments in his life where he is so closely aligned with the spirit of God where he has to make pivots. Where he assumed God was leading him in one direction and he's got to stop on a dime and go in another direction and just accept that that's what God had for him. Look at Acts chapter 16 verse 6. If you're there, say I'm there. I didn't do that earlier, so I want to keep you guys sharp. Somebody say, pivot, pivot. Come on, church. Here it is, verse 6. It says, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia, been working on that all week, and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to, so they passed, through, passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. It's a pivot. So in the story of the book of Acts, it's actually written by Luke. Luke is talking about the journeys of the Apostle Paul, starting new churches and seeing God do all these amazing things. But I love that in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, he's like, so we assume that our next step was to go east into all of these cities in Asia. So if you looked at this on a map, it's almost as if they're trying to go right. And what does the scripture say? It says, the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Wait a second. The spirit of Jesus closed the door on the apostle Paul preaching the gospel where it had never been preached before? Yes. Pivot. And while it would have been good and right for Paul to obey this call that he felt like he had to take the gospel in one direction, he has a dream one night. A man from Macedonia says, come, help us, preach to us. And all of a sudden, they're all willing to pivot because they know our ultimate aim is not the story that we have written down and plotted on paper. Our ultimate aim is our personal obedience to the call of Jesus. And if it's about his glory and we think it's right to go this way, sometimes God goes, yeah, wait, we thought we were going that way. No, nope, we're going this way. And you got to go with it. Because here's what God knows. God's sovereign. So you might hear that and go, okay, but what about the people in Asia? How do you know Paul didn't reach someone in Macedonia whose family was going to move to Asia and start 10 churches? You never know what the sovereignty of God is going to do in real time. It's our job to make sure we are able to pivot. See, I wonder how many of us would have even been paying attention when God goes, hey, that good thing you want to do, I close the door on that. We're going this way. 
you got to be willing to not only trade in the bad things and the things that needed to be on the altar a long time ago. you got to be willing to go, okay, God, I am ready and willing to pivot because every single time you change the direction of my life, it is always for better. When I look back at the story of my life, I, I'm amazed. I'm like, how did I end up with this family, with this wife, in this city? This is amazing. And I did not plan for this, but God, your ways are so much better. And the people who are older than us in our church who have been following Jesus for longer could say the same thing. Life right now looks nothing like how they would have scripted it on paper, but it's better. It always ends up being better. The only way you live to see the day where that is your perspective is if you're ultimately surrendered to the chief aim of your life, the glory of Jesus. And God's done that over and over again in my life personally, but I believe God has done that more than ever before this year at Auburn Community Church. So I've seen coronavirus as the ultimate interruption to what God is doing through ACC. How could I not see it that way? The power of what we do is so based on the gathering of a group of people once a week. And I love it. I miss our gatherings. I miss more than I miss preaching to you or even singing with you. I miss the moments in the lobby and outside on the way in. We got the most incredible host team in the world, but not only that, we just have the most incredible people in the world. I just miss seeing all of the love of Jesus on the faces of people. And it's been frustrating because I'm like, okay, this is an interruption. We can't meet together. This robs us of the ability to do our mission. And God's just like, pivot, 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 pivot. But it hit me like a ton of bricks this week when we had to extend our regathering date even further than we ever thought we were going to have to extend it. It hit me that God's been calling us to pivot, not to hit pause on everything he's doing in and through our church, but to bolster times a hundred times a thousand the capacity of what he's doing through ACC. Here's what I mean. I'm not just saying that to sound cool. I'm not just saying that to build hype. Here's what I mean. The mission of ACC is that none of us would stop one inch short of the life Jesus died and rose for us to live. That's what we're trying to do. So we're not simply trying to get people to pray a prayer. We're not simply trying to get people to get baptized. We're not like, just be a Christian and that's the be all, end all. Just come to church and that's the be all, end all. No, no, no. We're trying to mature into fully devoted disciples of Jesus who would do anything short of sin to reach people for the glory of God. That's what we want. And that's not what we want for a select few in our church. That's what we want for everybody who's impacted by this church. We want you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus. And so I'm like, God, you're taking away our ability to do that. We can't even gather together. And then Jesus is like, Miles, no, I'm calling you to pivot so I can do that to a degree that I can't do when you gather in person. Here's how. For every church, not just us, I'm not picking on us. I'm saying mostly every church, 60 to 80% of the people who come on Sundays are coming to consume. And what that means is they're coming to sit through a sermon, maybe stand through some songs and leave and check off the box of the fact that they went to church that week. And that's not even the worst thing. That's how a lot of people end up meeting Jesus at ACC. So if you come for a season just to consume, I think that's fine. I think there's some steps that we want you to take over the course of the journey. But most people, it's enough spiritual growth for their week for them to come to church once a week. COVID-19 hits, and then what happens? Now, to participate in the life of our church you have to take five, ten steps spiritually that many of you haven't taken for decades, and you actually have to consider the worship of Jesus in the living room of your home. 
We got dads in our church whose families have been praying for them to come to church for years who are now looking forward to Sunday mornings when they can hit play on a video on YouTube so that they can listen to the preaching of the word of God and lift up the name of Jesus with their families. We got daughters praying over their dads. We got people coming to know Jesus in droves. We got people who want to get baptized and we're like, that's great. When are we going to be able to baptize people again? But the work is actually getting done. Some of you don't even realize this, but the step that you took to watch this gathering shows a maturity in your life spiritually that many of you did not hit for the past 10 years. You took time out of your own day right now to watch this moment. How close are you to taking time out of your own day to talk to God or let God talk to you through his word? God just amplified your journey. He just made a pivot in the life of our church that we would have looked at and said, this is an interruption. This can't help us. And God's going, no, it actually produces in and through you the thing I wanted to do all along. You just got to be moldable. You just got to be adjustable and you got to be flexible enough to go, okay, I'm making the pivot and I see it from a different perspective. So as weird as it sounds, I'm grateful that there's like 15 people in here. They're all wearing masks. I'm grateful that we're in a season right now that is calling people to have to do more to be the church. And I'm grateful that these messages get to go out further than they ever have before. This is about ownership. This is about flexibility. And that I, I really didn't have any sort of points to land this sermon. I know that's a shocker. You're like, he is wearing a headset and he doesn't have points. What happened to our pastor? It's been a long time, y'all. Things changed. Pivot! My message today was simply, can we redefine and identify what's our pivot foot and what's our flexible foot? The pivot foot has to stay on the ground for us to be able to adjust well. And so if everything in our lives, our plans, our finances, our relationships, our outlook on how things would have gone in 2020, if that all has to be ready and willing to be burned to the ground, which it already has, You don't believe me? Think about your plan for 2020 on March 1st. It's funny, right? Laughable. You're like, this is how I saw my year going. Oh, flames. It burned to the ground. Everything changed. And we got to remain in that posture. But there is something that gives you structure. And there is something that is constant. And the good news about this something is that it's someone and he doesn't change. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Come on, come on. Here it is. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's so good. If everything in the world is changeable, if anything in your life could just be molded and shaped and taken from you overnight, here's the good news. The savior of the world, the lover of your soul is the one constant in all of the universe. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. By the way, the way God sees you because of Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so no, I can't promise you that God's not gonna do something that you don't see coming. I actually can promise you he's going to do the opposite. He's a shepherd, you're following him. It won't always make sense. But the good news is, church, Jesus doesn't change. And so why would you anchor your hope into anything other than the one who holds you? I want this moment to be a return. We got to be willing to pivot. It's a new plan. The plan is not to create a new plan. The plan is to stay adaptable. But we will never adapt and we will never shift on Jesus wins.
That's the story. He's the Savior. And so once again, I want to make the most out of every opportunity like we talked about a few months ago. If you're listening to me right now and you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus, this is your moment. I wanna ask that everyone watching would bow their head, would close their eyes. And if in this moment you know that maybe you grew up Christian, maybe you went to vacation Bible school, maybe you've gone to church a couple times, but you've never lived with the type of faith I'm describing. This is your moment to dedicate your life to Jesus. And this is your home church to grow in your faith regardless of where you live. Would you just pray this simple prayer out loud? So simple. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. And I want to make you my everything. Amazing. Heavenly Father, I pray for all of those who just took that bold step that stories would rise up for your glory that would supernaturally shift the way we think about every other time that you're gonna change the plan moving forward. God, I believe you just reach people in this moment who we would not be able to reach if we were doing church the way we've always done it. So God, would you glorify the name of your son and would you include us in that? No more holding on to the way we think things should go. No more believing that our agenda is the thing that we've got to die on and never give up. God, it is all in front of you. But the one thing that we will not give up is the worship of your son, Jesus. So God, set our lives on a firm foundation right now. Jesus alone. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this moment. I pray that in households all over, the praise of Jesus would rise up. I pray that prayer times and times in the word would start to happen, that we're awakened by a new level of faith. God, would you do a new thing in our day unlike anything we've ever seen before? And would you allow Auburn Community Church to be on the front lines of that movement, God, full of faith, full of grace, full of truth. God, we give you praise ahead of time and we lift up the praise of your son, Jesus, in this place.